Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. Oh, indeed, Lord. And they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not even love their lives even unto death in the face of threat, even if they should die. They still kept the testimony of Jesus Christ. They went on with the Lord. They went on into glory. For these are the saints of the Bible. And these are the people in whose footsteps we are following. If we're faithful, if we're faithful, if we're loyal, if we're consistent, if we endure in our commitment, if we persevere in these things, the Lord Himself will come with a shout of the archangel, with a sound of the trumpet, and the dead in Christ will rise. And those who are asleep in the graves will rise up. And together we will meet the Lord in the air. So shall we be forever with the Lord our God. We have a vision. We have a future. We have a destiny. We will persevere. We will not give up. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Give the Lord a praise offering, everybody. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you to the band. You can be on standby for a little bit later. I'll give you a break. And um, we're talking in these sessions now. We're all getting ready for the Passover. And quite honestly, to me, that is the most holy day of the year because in the Passover is the time of the Lamb of God, His own blood being shed for us on the cross out there at Calvary. How many times have I visited those those grave sites in Jerusalem, particularly the garden tomb, and of course the place, even if you go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is now in Jerusalem, and you go to a place, there is a place you go upstairs to the, the, a rocky outcrop there, and then you can crawl in there on your knees, one at a time, their queues waiting, and they say this is the place where the actual cross, this is the hollow point where they put the cross, and Jesus hung on the cross. If you go to the bottom, you find that there are cracks in the stones. And so it is. You find this in Jerusalem. There are shakings coming on, and there will be shakings to come. Do not ask me what is going on with the world, because I know fully what's going on with the world. And there's many things that I'm not talking about, because I'm not released to talk about those things. But be assured that the Lord is fully in control with all of your lives and the Lord will steer your future. If you will serve Him and you be faithful, He will prosper you, even if it doesn't look right now like the best of the best times of your life. Then the Lord will carry you forward, take you through that. Sometimes we think that our light affliction, that is just for a moment, as the Apostle Paul says, you know, that, that this thing that is this mountain that's before me, that is temporal. It is for the time being. Because soon you look back and you say, what was that? Was it even worthwhile worrying about that? But if the Lord takes charge of your life, if you fully surrender your life, if you really give yourself to Jesus, then you find life makes a difference. And you live a different lifestyle. You absolutely live a different lifestyle. Because you're walking with God. You walk with God. It is amazing. Now, this morning, I gave you from the Bible the book of uh, uh, Hebrews 
And I spoke about the book of Hebrews, and I also spoke about the power of the blood of Jesus. Tonight we continue on the same, same, uh, you know, train of thought, but I thought that I'll take it like this. I'll, I'll begin to talk to you this way. And, uh, you know, there's sometimes books in the Bible that uh, we have not taught that in the Bible school. And uh, I, I can't remember doing a course of the book of Hebrews, actually. But um, the book of Hebrews is a very vital and a very influential book. Now, these, a lot of the scholars of the Bible say that this book of Hebrews was actually written maybe by Paul, maybe, maybe, or maybe somebody wrote for him. But if you study the, the text there and you study his style, his typical style of writing, and you are alert to that. If you watch it in the, in the Greek and you look at this in the English, uh, then you see that uh, the Apostle Paul is clearly, clearly the one that sits there behind the writing of this book. It's too much of Paul. He talks about Timothy. He talks about Luke. He talks about, you know, being in chains, that the people should remember him in his chains and, and all of that. We find him telling, but writing to the Hebrews, that means he's, he's busy talking to the Jewish population. And uh, he's trying to write from a kind of an anonymous point of view. They wouldn't have enough knowledge to be able to pick up by the style of writing that uh, that was the work of the Apostle Paul. And so that's very clever the way he does because they outrightly rejected him because he was preaching as far as he was going. So he writes this very interesting book of the Hebrews with a profound outcome to talk about the blood of Jesus. See, he's going to talk about the blood of Jesus, but he comes and he first explains how this thing comes together. So he spends the first chapter, for example, where he says, I'll just quote a little bit there, I could quote more, but let's just say this, and I'll stop soon on this. It says, you know, in Hebrews 1, what God who at various times, various manners, spoke unto the fathers, what? By the prophets. But then he says that in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So his son is greater than the prophets. So the book of Hebrews is the book of the greater, the superior, the ministry of Jesus Christ. You immediately, if you look at that book, you'll find words like, you know, a better covenant. You find words like greater than Moses, greater than the angels. You find that all the way. In fact, if you go on to start with, he starts off there in chapter number one and he begins to talk to the people. He says, you know, that uh, after saying that in the last days he's spoken unto us by his son, now we're all listening to him because he is the prophet of prophets. In fact, he is the word of God. In fact, I'm just thinking here, shoots into my mind, Deuteronomy 18, 15 to 20, where uh, Moses is speaking. He says, I will send you another prophet. There will be another prophet. If you read that, and it says that all Israel must listen to this prophet, and whoever does not listen to him, Deuteronomy 18, 15 to 20, um, you know, that he shall be cut off from the nation. He shall be cut off if you don't listen to this prophet. And he begins to talk about, he forespeaks, he prophesies the Messiah right there and then. And so if you look at chapter number one, soon the Lord had showed the point that he's, he's, he's greater of, than, than all the prophecies. Now speaking to us through the prophets, he gets into the angels. And then he says, but to which of the angels has he said, 
Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. Having received, therefore, a ministry so much greater than the angels. So again, the greater comes in. We're talking about Jesus here. How many of you believe Jesus is greater than the angels? Can you say amen? Give him a praise offering right now. He is so much greater than the angels. Then he goes on. And immediately he gets back into Israel. And uh, Maud is actually talking about it tonight when she said there's Hebrews chapter number two. There's the verse that says, uh, it says that, uh, beware therefore brethren, lest there be an evil heart of unbelief in chapter number two. Uh, departing from the living God. That there lest there be an evil heart of unbeliever, unbelief, departing from the living God unbelieving, departing. And he says, they will never enter into my race. He begins to talk about Moses. And then he begins to tell you that Jesus, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is greater than Moses. He's got a superior ministry to that of Moses. The glory wouldn't pass away. In the case of, of Moses, even in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number three, towards the end of it, it talks about the fact that Moses had to wear a veil over that which is glory when he went up to the mountain and he did not know that his face shone. The Hebrew literally tells you that like lightning bolts of power and glory from God came out of his head. So you look at the ancient Hebrew um, artworks and you find very quickly, you see that they depict Moses like with rays coming out of his head. I've got the same artwork in my study at home. Literally to shine. His face was like, and so the people ran away and he had to cover. And Hebrews chapter number two in the last, chapter number three in the last verses talks about the fact that that glory was passing away. So there was greater glory than that of Moses. It moves on and it begins to talk about Joshua. Also there, chapter number three, chapter number four. It goes on in those chapters telling you that greater than Joshua, greater than Aaron, and now it gets into the mysterious ministry of a man called Melchizedek. Okay, Melchizedek. Melki or Malik is the Hebrew word for a king. So Melchizedek is the king of Salem, the king of peace. Many of the scholars in my days when we were studying, uh, uh, even wherever I studied in all the places I'd done, done so, I found that the most people, a lot of people say, it is what we call the pre-incarnate Jesus. Let me say that in the Afrikaans language also. Die voor vlees geworden Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. This king of peace, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the King of Glory. He says, my peace I give unto you. He's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so many of the students believe that Mel Melchizedek is nothing but a pre-incarnate before the Word became flesh, uh, in pre-incarnation of, of Jesus, the pre-incarnate Jesus, so to speak. Well, it goes on with Melchizedek. And soon we find out that Jesus is given a superior ministry as the eternal high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So now we see Moses, we see the angels, we see the prophets, and now we begin to talk about Joshua, and we begin to talk about all the rest, all the time. Jesus is lifted up. And I like that. Because if there's one book that spells it out, that he is Lord, that he's risen from the dead, he is Lord. It's the book of the Hebrews. You find it all the time. You find that it goes on. 
And uh, then you get how this thing unfolds, this whole text here of Moses, how it unfolds. And there's the story of Melchizedek. And then he comes to another thing. And that is that the subject now changes to the sacrificial system. And then he begins to talk about one sacrifice that's greater than anything else that ever happened, namely the Son of God, where Paul writes about it. And uh, I'll look at some scriptures with you in a moment of time, where he for once walked into the holiest of holiest in the, in the heavens above to be seated at the right hand of the Father and put away sin by his own blood and he sacrificed himself and presented himself through the eternal spirit before God the Father. So now we find also it goes on. It never ends. It says, listen, apart from that, you also have now a covenant a covenant, a better covenant established on better promises. See, all the time, better, better, greater. See, you read that book, you become aware of it. You can read it in one set of sitting. I'm sure of that. What is it? Is, um, there's, uh, it's it's a one, 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 uh, one session for me. It's just like you read through it one time. Uh, and you read, but you become aware of the fact that greater, better, superior, ministry, greater this, greater that. And then, of course, there's also a covenant, which is the blood covenant of the Lamb of God, established upon better promises. So now we become, become aware of the blood of Jesus, how the Lord moved into the heavens above, and then He also appeared before the throne of God, the job that uh, the, uh, the, the very project on which God sent him for, the very reason and purpose was to save mankind by offering himself and by the power of his blood. Oh, yes. And so he arrives at the throne of God now in his own blood. You talk about authority in the blood of Jesus. Now with his own blood, he presented himself through his own blood he entered into the presence of the Father. That is the eternal blood of the covenant. So we talk about a covenant, but that does not end right there because now we come to a place of a superior walk. And in fact, it tells you two things connect up. The very famous, in my eyes, very famous, the, the, the Hebrews chapter number 10 from verse 19, where he begins to talk about, he says, therefore, 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 he's going to get to the next superior thing. That is the walk of faith. That is that we have a superior walk now too. Not according to all the customs and the rituals and the whatever. He says there is also, the, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. But in Hebrews 10 verse 19, he begins to lay it out and he says, therefore, apart from Hebrews 4, 16, therefore let us come with boldness to the throne room of grace. He now comes, he says, therefore, we can come boldly to the throne of grace through the blood. Again, there's the blood. Through the blood of Jesus, through the veil. If you take that, summarize that, you'll find these principles built in there in Hebrews 10 from verse 19. Through the blood of Jesus, one. Through the veil, which is his flesh, two. On the new and the living way, he's been raised from the dead, three. With our hearts assured in faith, four. Having, holding fast, to the hope that is set before us, number five. Hope, el pizzo in the Greek. That is the word of faith that he says, now approach God. That is my protocol because I found a lot of people just go to the Lord and say, you know, just very casual. Just, I mean, you know, I, I can never get over that. 
When you talk about Jesus, I'm serious immediately. You talk about the blood, I'm serious immediately. Because that's eternal. That is the highest sacrifice. Do you know when he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. 1 Corinthians 11 and from 23 onwards. Now, you know, he sat at the table there. It's the time of the last Passover. And Paul the Apostle writes, says, For I have received from the Lord that which I have also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the same night in which he was betrayed, took, took bread. And after he had broken it, he said, uh, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, the cup, which is signifying the blood of the covenant. This cup is the new covenant. We have a better covenant now also. The new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you will in remembrance of me. So we see here, we have a greater way of getting in the presence of God through the veil, through his blood, with our hearts assured in faith, faith holding on to the hope that he set before us. Hope is the anchor of your soul. The Bible tells us that, that it's the anchor of our souls. Hope is the word el pizzo, which means it is really visionary in its way of, of just looking at hope. It's like my vision for the future. I hope that one day I will have a house like this. I will have a future. I will retire like this. I don't think I'll have that one in my life. Uh, I'll retire like this. Or I'll have, you know, like somebody, somebody sang a song, a little house next to the sea or something. You know, I have a hope to one day be able to buy these things and to enjoy life, not just labor all the time, not just potholes forever. Amen. Amen. How many of you still love South Africa? Come on, let me see your hands. You're staying in the best place. Give the Lord a praise offering. Come on, give the Lord a proper praise offering. Amen. So, you know, holding fast to the hope that's set before us. Then the Lord says at the end of that, in Hebrews chapter number 10, He says, but if any, man's, if any man draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Now, that's a very interesting statement there. God says, my soul, if a person draws back from the faith, the superior new way of life, my soul will have no pleasure in him. The word soul consists of three Hebrew letters. If you look at all the ancient Hebrew letters, they were little pictures. So the first picture of the first letter, that first picture is a sprout coming out of the ground. New life. Life. The green sprout coming out of the ground. Or sometimes they also depict it as a fish that swims. That signifies a symbol of life in the water. But you see the little green sprout. My soul. In the first place, Jesus says, I am the life of the world. I'm the creator. Out of the ground comes the green sprout. Then the middle letter is the letter that speaks of when God created man in his own image and his own likeness and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living nefesh, a living soul, a living being, a living soul. God says, my soul. Now, the middle letter has got to do with the breath. God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And so that middle letter tells you immediately, you go like, you go, <sighs> breathing. So the second letter in Nefesh is the breath of life. The first one is the greenness that God gives fruitfulness, growth, life. 
okay? And then the second one is now the breath of life. And what about the third one? The third one is beautiful because I always think when I go to Jerusalem and you look from a topographical, if you look at the study of the maps of the Holy City, you know, this, this is just like a picture in front of me. And I look at Mount Zion and I look at the various, the various uh, gates around the city. You come down on the side where you have uh, right at the bottom of Mount Zion, the city of David. There you have, at the bottom, you have the pool of Siloam, which is currently under excavation and restoration. And uh, if you look from the top, if you would take, strip off all the buildings, you go to the original topography, you look at Mount Zion, it's the form of a heart. And it goes, Shaddai, Shaddai, Nefesh, Nefesh, Shaddai, El Shaddai, which is the God that gives you the breath of life. So God says, you know, I, I am life. I give life to the earth. Secondly, you're breathing because of me. Thirdly, my heart beats warmly and lovingly. The heart is the symbol of love towards you. Nefesh, Nefesh, Shaddai, Shaddai. Like a heartbeat, systole, diastole, or diastole. You have the heartbeat making those sounds. So there you have, in the book of Hebrews, now you've got the superior walk of, of the way of life. You've got a covenant, and there it is for you. And you know what? That covenant is ratified and established in the blood. And I want to just give you one verse here, at least give you one verse that is, uh, that is right now in my mind, and I want to see if I can quickly find that for you. Okay, it would be in Hebrews chapter number 9, and it is verse number, uh, here we have verse 22. And it says, according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, without the shedding of blood, there is no, notice the word remission. In the Old Testament, atonement. In the New Testament, this blood is the new covenant in my blood for the remission of sins. The word remission is different in terms of like in the Old Testament where um, the Lord speaks about um, in, in, in the book of Leviticus, chapter number 17, 10 to 14, those verses. It says, I've given the blood to make atonement for your souls. He says, you're not allowed to take blood. You may not drink blood. The flesh, the meat, the flesh and its blood. Do not eat blood. Why? Because the Creator says the life of the flesh is in the blood. So that's very, very straightforward there. So we don't eat blood. But at the same time, when um, we look at that situation, the life of the flesh is in the blood. Then we see immediately that in the Old Testament, by the sacrifice of the animals, that uh, in those days... The blood was there to make atonement. The word for atonement literally means to cover over. In other words, if I take this paper and I make, uh, let's say, a mark, any color on here. And it's now obviously everybody can see the, the color. But now I see the page is actually white and I get some white paint and I paint over that, that spot that's there. Maybe it's a spot I don't like. Just cover it over. That is the Hebrew of the ancient way of sacrifice. It was an appeasement. It was there to make atonement. God sees blood has been shed and then forgiveness of sin that follows, you see, of the people. That's the whole sacrificial system. But now we have an eternal high priest who has sacrificed himself. He fulfills the priesthood. He fulfills the law. He says, I have not come to abolish the law, but I've come to fulfill it. Now, 
from there you have this great high priest who has passed through the heavens. And then it begins to talk here, this particular chapter, actually two chapters I want to tell you. It's chapter eight and number nine to me is like highlights all the way through. If you look at it and it talks here, for example, in the case of you and I, it says here, you know, uh, uh, for example, it says, you know, in the Old Testament, you've got the kafar, which is the kafar is the covering over of a spot that you don't want to see. Like, I mean, here is a computer, and there is a little sign there. There's a, a thing. Now, I cover over it, so you can't see the spot anymore. That is what it means in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament is the word remission. Remission means literally to send away from you. Literally, if you look at that, you analyze it both in Hebrew and in Greek, you find actually it's talking away of, of ascending away. I'll remove your sins as far as the east is from the west. See? So I remember them no more. This is what the Lord says. He says, this, this cup is the new covenant in my blood for the remission of sins. No more just the atonement. Now, when it comes to that, we also find out in the, the book of Hebrews that he ever lives to make intercession for us. We find the present day ministry of Jesus Christ. It's all in the book. It tells you that there's a superior way of getting to God. It's called, it's called intercession because Jesus lives. It tells you that in Romans and it tells you again uh, in the book of Hebrews. I think it's chapter number seven. I think it's chapter number seven and 25. I see coming up in my mind. But uh, if, if you, uh, he lives to make intercession for the saints. That's what he does. We call it the present day ministry of Jesus Christ. What is the superior present day ministry? Praying. Prayer. You talk about prayer. See? So therefore, Hebrews chapter number 10 from verse 19. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne room of grace. Through so powerful. The blood of Jesus. Nothing can keep you away from God when you call upon the blood of Jesus. When you approach the Lord, you say, Lord, here am I. Just a sinner. But day, today, I say, my God, just forgive me whatever I've done wrong. Right now in Jesus Christ's name, Wash me in the blood of Jesus, having repented of all that's evil. Right there, you stand before the Lord. You go all the way through. You have contact with the throne of God. How's that? Give the Lord a big praise offering. <laughs> Hallelujah. So in Hebrews chapter, chapter number 11, you find the superior walk also. You find the superior Lord the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You find all of these things in the book of Hebrews. It's the, the book of the greater, the superior, and much more. Those expressions all over the book. It's wonderful if you think about it. But then we get to the, um, the end of the book where he says, now listen, listen. Now that you have had all these things, watch out that you do not transgress. Strengthen yourself. Because now we have come to Mount Zion, the superior mountain, the city of the living God, to the spirits of the just made perfect, and the blood of the covenant, see, and to Jesus Christ, the mediator of the world, the king of glory, Mount Zion, the city of our God, superior place, the most superior city, see, the book of Hebrews. And then he says, and don't 
You know, be careful that you don't fall back. Don't start compromising. Don't start this. Because yet one more time, says the Lord, I'm going to shake everything. I've created everything. I can shake all things. And I will shake all things. Only those things that cannot be shaken, which the Lord determines, cannot be shaken. So if you're in the kingdom of God, you need not fear. One more time, I shake everything. See? And then, finally, and I'll read, and then after that, we'll do some ministry here. Finally, we have this here, which I think is fabulous, this final verse. I quoted it this morning, but now I'll read it with you. It ends with Hebrews number 13 and in verse 20. Hebrews 13 and 20, it says, Now, everybody say, Jesus is Lord. Everybody say, there's power in the blood. Everybody say, we now have a greater covenant established on better promises. Everybody say, we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens and he's praying for me. He's doing intercession just for me. Thank you, Jesus. He has given me the walk of faith because I know if I please him, I got to walk in faith. I got to watch my behavior that I'm not negative, but I'm a person of faith and holiness and purity in the fear of the Lord. That's why the book tells us this. Therefore, also in the book of Hebrews chapter number 12, it tells you, therefore pursue peace and holiness without all, with, with all men. Peace and holiness with all men. And uh, peace, holiness and peace with all men. I've just got it the other way wrong. With, uh, other way around. He says, without nobody will see the Lord. We've got to follow after holiness and peace. Those two things. And then he says, you're now arriving at the city of God. Next stop, next stop, when this plane lands, it's landing at the city of God. And you're getting off in your eternal residence. That's how it is. And that thing, that city is just glory all the way. It takes me a quarter of a year to explain the students just Revelation 20 and 21 and 22, those two chapters. And then he says, finally, everybody say greater. Everybody say better. Everybody say more superior. Everybody say Jesus. Now, may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant make you complete in every good work to do his will working in you what is well pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. That word working through, I, I, I do not remember that uh, particular Greek word there, but I think it's the Greek word energema, uh, where it literally says he's energizing you to do what is pleasing in his sight. The great shepherd of the sheep, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
a great book is the book of Hebrews to read. And I'm sure some of you will now want to read it, and you can underline all those words that I've given you as key words, superior, greater, and better, and, and better promises, and more superior covenant established on better promises. The whole book is just a revelation. It's the book of the Lord, our God. And Paul talks to the Hebrews, and he talks to the rest of the world. When we read that, and I say, thank you, Jesus, because now I know that I can approach God for years. Now, I'm talking from early, early years of my life. Hebrews 10, that protocol there. People go and they pray, and they get to it. They, 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 they do like this type of thing. Well, you know, Jesus, just like, you know, you know and then they come with a, with a story. You know, I just need help here with this, you know. And it's like they're so casual because they do not understand there's a day when they will stand or they won't even stand. They will be on their face before the throne room of God when they are actually having to give an account of those things that they've done on earth. That you have to come to a point where you're now facing the music of your own life. See, there comes a point where the Lord says, all right, you, I've known you. Better than what you've known yourself. One day we shall see face to face. We'll be known even as we have been known. And you stand before the Lord. You say, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So I never say that. I prefer to say, Lord Jesus. In my life, I'm always very careful. People blaspheme the name, particularly when it comes to Hollywood. They blaspheme the name all the time. I just tell you. All right. And uh, I come to you, Lord Jesus, my Lord and Savior. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant, I approach you. Through the veil of your flesh that was broken for me. On the new and the living way, you're alive forevermore. Romans 1 declared with power to be the Son of God by the resurrection of the dead. I think that's Romans 1 in verse number 4. See. And now I come to you with my heart assured in faith in faith, and I have a hope for tomorrow, and I know that I hold on to the faith, as I hold on to the faith, you will be well pleased, for without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes unto God must believe that He is, and is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Not mess around, Diligently, every day, self-discipline, self-control, all the time. Take a stand against what is wrong. Fill your head with the Word of God because you'll need it on the road of life. Fill your head with the Scriptures. Fill yourself so that you can grow up. And you know, like I said the other day, and I can say this again, I mean, it doesn't matter if you say this a second time, but spiritual maturity is not, well, you know what, I'm mature. You know what? I, you know, I, 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 I know my Bible. I'm mature. And then behave like, like some form of um, whatever, outcast. Spiritual maturity is when you manifest Jesus through your life. When people look at you, they can see something about Jesus in your life. Where you walk, where you have that demeanor, that kind of manifestation that people would say, I can believe what you're saying when you talk about Jesus. 
I can see Jesus in your life. You are a letter of life to those who believe. To those who do not believe, it is a letter that spells death if you don't repent. That's how it is. But God spoke to the Hebrews. Now he speaks to us by his son. There's power in the blood of Jesus. Next week, I'm going to take the power of the cross of Jesus. Can you say amen? How many of you believe there's power in the cross? Amen. Give the Lord a praise of it. Hallelujah. And then the next week, which is the Passover, I will be talking about the greatness and the power and the awesomeness. I don't even have words of Jesus Christ himself. What he did, every knee shall bow before him. Can you say amen? Name above all names, the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. You talk about Jesus. We'll do that on Passover Friday morning here at 8 o'clock. But come Sunday, the Resurrection Sunday, we'll talk about the resurrection life, the power of resurrection. You want to walk that life. You've got to die first. You've got to be crucified first. Then you walk in the resurrection life. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.